0: hello and welcome to the business of betting podcast today i'm joined by tom waterhouse tom thank you very much for coming back on the business of betting podcast is proudly brought to you by the betfair hub from betfair australia no matter where you are in the world if you want expert articles from pro punters From building automated models to betting psychology, check out the Betfair Hub. Betfair.com.au slash hub. Gamble responsibly. Today, I'm joined by Tom Waterhouse. Tom, thank you very much for coming back on. Thanks so much, Jake. So, I'm interested in what the last couple of years has held for you. Obviously, last time we spoke, there was plenty going on, and I think there's still plenty going on. Just tell us a little bit about what that time allowed you to do, and I don't know if you've had too much free time, but I'm sure you've had a look into some other territories, some other businesses, but also focusing heavily on gaming. So, tell us what that time's been like.
1: Yeah, look, um, so obviously, uh, it's a great journey um, running the Australian business for, for William Hill, and and then... When that business sold to the Stars Group, I was fortunate um, enough to get my, my brand back, TomWaterhouse.com, and, um, but under the condition that I couldn't uh, take bets for for two years. And uh, so I just thought, well, what's in, what's a a large part of the market that isn't serviced, and and most people that bet, it's very hard to win. And uh, over my time, I've seen over a, a million plus customers and and people that are betting, and and the majority of them. Uh, they use it to do it as entertainment and love to have a punt, but they're not they're not actually long term winners. And obviously growing up around my dad uh, and his friends, I, I saw what went into building a model and and um, using automated betting systems and staking plans and and getting on either with rebates or getting on at the top of the market. I thought, well, why don't I try and uh, teach those lessons or or, or share those lessons? And so that's how the tipping business came about. So TomWaterhouse.com became a, a tipping business, and, and basically having uh, different uh, tipping packages and giving not only the tips but a staking plan and where the best price of the bookies um, were being offered. And um, and it turned out to be really popular. Uh, and it's it's uh, it's yeah, it basically shows the average punter that. It's not just about getting a tip. You have to stake accordingly. You have to get on at the right price. You have to be really disciplined about what you're doing. And there is, the bookies have got an edge, obviously, with the percentage that they've got. But it is possible to beat the bookies over the long term. But it requires those three things, uh, obviously, form, staking, getting on at the top price, but also discipline to stick to that plan. And um, that was been a really nice journey, a different um, experience from being sort of the, on the other side of the fence of being the bookie and and against the punter to have these group of members, the um, guys on the top packages and the platinum and the big bundle package, were in a WhatsApp group together all the time and, and going through the highs and the lows and the roller coaster ride of because of, even the best syndicates in the world they have periods where they um, they they lose they have negative negative variance and we've we, we've been part of that and then i know one one of our packages we had uh, our best bet our daily best bet which has been uh, one of our top performing packages had fifteen days in a row or fifteen bets in a row that lost and uh but it's still one on the month and and to go through that journey of of sticking to the staking plan um uh, making sure that you can ride these periods uh it's been it's been interesting to see how um the punters have have uh have coped with them and the different types of mentalities out there. I've you sort of grow up around my um, my dad and his group of friends and see this sort of very business-like, formulated way of betting. Um, but the average punter isn't isn't like that. And so uh, that that was the first area, and and then um, basically morphed and and kept that going. But thought, well, how can I add um, uh, something else and make this uh, a more sticky and better experience for the punter, and and that really um, started the journey of our partnership with bet makers and utilising the back end technology of dynamic odds to come up with an app um, that makes it very easy for our members and and other people to come into the app and place a bet in two clicks on the Tom Waterhouse app and and also have one sign in and password across multiple bookies because Getting onto the top price is obviously key to winning, but most people can't be bothered doing it because they've got their money in one or two accounts, and they don't want to have um, money in all 20 accounts. And they can't be bothered to set up accounts and go through the verification and all that sort of stuff. And and so coming up with what we thought of as the bookings.com or the travago of of betting uh, inside our app was was very important to us. And to see that launch a few weeks ago and um, has been terrific and uh and, that, and that's it's been really popular to begin with but i think it'll be really really great for our, our members and, and punters out there to have a an app experience that is uh a, a really easy to use odds comparison site
0: how important is it do you think to have obviously the software component i think it's, it's certainly been interesting talking to a lot of different people about the the content side the education side the staking plans bankroll management and and trying to help people understand that there's so much that goes into being able to win certainly on the betting side. Um so you obviously need to have that part of it as well as as the software that that really helps you like if you want to find the cheapest flight or the best price for a, from a bookmaker's perspective. Um that software can can solve a lot of problems that some people might not be be willing to do. Have you found that the the, the tipping customers you have are, are very different to the customers you had when you were an operator or how, are there any surprises that have come up throughout that process for you?
1: I feel that um, I understand the um, punter a lot better going through the tipping side of things than I did as a bookie because as a bookie, it's uh, really, well, how can I win their money? How can I get them to come on board? How can I reactivate them? And it's very much... Uh, or the mentality was, how do we win, and how do we make sure that uh, they're engaged? But it wasn't sitting in their sh- in their shoes, and being in the tipping business, um, you you you're living that wild ride because everything to for the tipping business to succeed, you have to show good performance and profitable performance because that's what they're paying for, and that's why they're sticking around. So understanding their mentality and and that. It takes a lot of learning to understand that it's a, it's a we're playing the long game. Uh, here is, is really important. Getting on at the top price and uh, I say to all our big bundle and platinum members when they join, they've got to open accounts with all 21 corporates and they're like, oh that's a pain in the neck. It's a, such a nightmare and and that's why um, coming up with this um, in our app, this ability to have the odds comparison site was so important because it took away that pain point. I. I often think about it with uh, for myself with, with petrol. I'm I'm like, well, I always want to go to the lowest price petrol station, but I can't be bothered to drive to, to another suburb to go and fill up at a couple cents cheaper. But if they were both next to each other, I would always go to the cheaper one. And I sort of think of that with betting is that you would always go to the best price if it was seamless to do so. But because it's not, because you have to do all of these steps to open an account, and you have to deposit money, and you have to do that verification. It it makes it hard to have and do it. If you suddenly see that um, Easy's four forty and and you've got all your money and your accounts open at LabRokes at four dollars, well, it's painful if you're only having ten or twenty dollars on it. But over a long period of time, taking the four forty rather than the four dollars is going to be the difference between you being or winning and losing punter and that's um uh, it's it's an important lesson and that, and that's why it was so important to um to do that deal with bet makers and that and that really led to why we started up we've, we've started up waterhouse vc which is a a wholesale gambling fund investing in in um gambling companies and and that sort of started that journey uh well a year year and a half ago for with that in because we like betmakers so much and what they were able to do both from a dynamic odds perspective for, for the punter, but also from a feeds perspective um, to, for the bookmakers. And, and that uh, wholesale fund has, has been also going well. So that's basically the three areas that I've been focusing on, the, the tipping business, the odds comparison business, and, and this wholesale uh, gambling fund. Do you
0: have a sense of whether it's harder these days for punters to win or even easier? As you said, there's 21 corporates, let's say, obviously a lot more technology available. The data and the information is, is more widespread, which can be a great thing, or it can be a bit of a minefield. The computing power is very different, services like yours and others out there. Is it net positive compared to when you started, let's say, or throughout the evolution of, of your career? Do you have a sense on whether or not you know, today for a punter, it's it's a better scenario when trying to win?
1: Look, I, I feel that the market is a lot, especially early, is um, is a lot a lot less accurate than what it was, um, and so you can see some uh, huge opportunities in the early markets of where there's significant overs, and and um, but betting close to the SP, I, I probably found it easier to find winners uh, ten years ago. I think that so if you're not restricted. Um, as a puncher, if you're not just betting with the minimum bet lo- rules, um, I think it is a lot easier to win if you're very, if you basically take that sniper approach. Um, but you're obviously restricted um, during that time and and close to the jump, I think, because they've been up for for so long, and then the minimum bet rule comes in at 9 a.m. I think that that market is um, is quite accurate, and also there's a lot more percentage against you uh, now both in the early market and also close to jump time. And when I was an on-course booking and also betting um, a, a lot, is that there'd be many races. I remember when I was a booking back in, in Sydney, is that in many races they bet under 100%, where you're seeing in the early markets over 130%. And then even in the SP market, it's 110 to 116 um, across the corporates. There's, there's a lot more inbuilt percentage against the punter uh, now. but that doesn't mean that there's not opportunities to, to win. I remember my grandfather always talking about how it was easiest to find winners when there was 160% markets with the bookies up because for them to put so much percentage up, they obviously didn't have much idea about what the true chances were. And, and um, But you have to be very select because if you're betting around the grounds every race and betting all the time, you're going to lose at a much higher clip than than what you were before.
0: So tell me a little bit about the, the Wholesale Investing Fund. Are you Obviously, there's a lot of incumbents that are consolidating in, in many markets around the world. Um, are you looking for reliable and, and solid businesses or are you thinking about growth or are you tending towards innovation? Tell me what some of the, the parameters are that, that make decisions within that fund.
1: So our, our two um, main areas we look at is we love um, businesses that are at scale um, in regulated markets. So a business like... Um, uh, flutter is uh, the fact that they've got such a dominant position globally now with obviously with the Stars acquisition, the, the fact that they've got Betfair, Fangio, obviously sports bet BetEasy here in Australia. Uh, we think that those businesses at scale can keep putting their foot down on marketing to grow market share and, and uh, also have uh, the, the funds to be able to cope with the increasing, increasing tax um, so we, we love businesses that are, that are a clear scale winners, and we think that um, Flutter's um, acquisition of FanJuel and the fact that they've got already uh, such a large market share in New Jersey and, and got a large online database and, and also the balance sheet that lets them to really spend, outspend the competitors in, in the US. We, we like that uh, a lot. Uh, and we, we, we look for those sort of business in regulated markets but really the the funds focused on finding smaller businesses that the the market isn't across that um are more B2B operators that have got exposure uh whether it's to Asia or got exposure to the US market and that's sort of where we feel we've got a unique skill set in that it's quite probably for some of the big um investment houses or analysts they they're obviously across the likes of um well the William Hills and and the Flutters and and Tapcorps um, but businesses, whether it's like, uh, well, betmakers is a good example. We have unique insight in, in obviously having tomwaterhouse.com the first time and, and then running William Hill in Australia of how these, um, B2B operators that, uh, connect with, uh, the B2C the operators and, and basically, uh, why they're so valuable and important to the likes of these big corporates and, really they've got exposure to growth because obviously the gambling market is growing in, in uh, both in regulated and un- unregulated markets, but they haven't got the same downside when it comes to the regulatory uh, risk and, and the taxing risk. So we focus on on those operators that are providing services um, to the gambling sector. And um, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. And, and the thing that I love about it is obviously, I've grown up in the, in the gambling industry and, and that's been my, my only Focus in my working life, um, but most uh, big funds and and um, banks they they don't want to touch the gambling space. You know, it's a uh, it's uh, it's not a sector that they want to to look into. And so I think it's a a big opportunity to to keep focused on this space. And um, uh, because obviously people have been gambling since the beginning of time, and and I think they'll continue uh, to do so. And and um, so I'm very bullish on long-term um, growth of the space and, and the sector, and I also like that most of the uh, the world doesn't want to either invest or, or focus on it. Um, so I, uh, we're just going to keep running that fund and focus on those type of type of businesses.
0: I think I probably missed last time not asking you about brand, and you know your brand is growing up in Australia one of the strongest by far, I think it's pretty understated, you know, how phenomenal a job you did with your brand. And even you were talking about it before, you know, getting your brand back, tomwaterhouse.com obviously means a lot in the market. Tell us a little bit about your approach to brand and and some of the things you've done over the years that are pretty incredible to to ensure you can capture that that market share that you wanted and, and keep your customers coming back whether it's on the the operator side obviously you've been talking about the tipping business now and you're dabbling in many things but how critical to you is marketing and ensuring that, that brand is strong
1: yeah well look um, obviously I've been so so blessed to come on and lucky to obviously be born in a in a um, family that had such a a uh, a long history in, in the in the gambling and betting space. And I, I grew up um, when I was going to the races and I'd see the likes of Cole Tidy and I'd always go, oh, well, I've heard of Cole Tidy, I'll bet with him. And we um, saw that all the UK operators, whether it was William Hill or, or uh, Paddy Power or Victor Chandler were named after individuals. And we couldn't understand why everyone was going down the sports bet, sports betting, TAB, sports bet. There were all these sort of URLs that all sounded similar. And um, when one of the overseas corporates came to us and had done some brand surveys and saw showed that the Waterhouse name had such brand awareness, um, we we thought, well, why wouldn't we name it um, using the the family name and, and also branded as an individual like bookies have always done? And, um, and that proved to be uh, really um, – a uh, uh, lucky or or we probably wasn't that well thought through from us um, of whether to do it or not but we just sort of it seemed obvious and, and it worked really well um, obviously there's there's that polarization um, of when you're an individual because people either like it or appeals to them or they really don't like you it doesn't it's not vanilla and saw that definitely with the with the NRL um, that polarization and and but in terms of acquisition, it went through the roof. So we went from 100 customers in 18 months to a quarter of a million customers and uh, had very low cost per acquisition. And that was one of the reasons why William Hill bought TomWaterhouse.com is they obviously spent a lot more money buying um, center centerbet sporting bet businesses, which were large, big businesses. But the area of difference for TomWaterhouse.com is we had a lot of these media properties, but we also had a Very low cost per acquisition um, compared to the other corporates in the market and um, and that was i think was was thanks to um, to uh, uh, the decision around, around branding and so I, I thought I, I loved being um, a corporate CEO and and loved that time out of the limelight it was It was great so we had three kids and and just it was great spending that time with the family and and not being front and center of of a brand, but I thought that i 've been so lucky with the um, the background and the fa- the family history that i 've got is that when I got the brand back, I thought well this is my one advantage that i 've got in that i 've been uh, this is a gift that i that 've been given've i 've got to utilize it and and um, and really push it and and that isn't always uh, like it's. I sort of feel like an idiot sometimes with some of the skits that I do and, and like getting on little ponies in an office and stuff like that. <laughs> but it, it it's differentiation, and um, and I think it's really uh, branding as an individual has become far more uh, uh, important since we first started because. The way that your branding is, and the way that you can get your message across, is so different now compared to what it was, well, even five years ago, but ten years ago. So, the majority of the spend of, of William Hill's uh, marketing budget when I first started it, with the company, or even TomWaterhouse.com, it was sort of uh, eighty, ninety percent um, uh, television, and there was obviously a little some radio and and some print, but that shift now to um, to whether it's Facebook or Google is has been significant and nearly all of the budget has shifted away from the traditional media. And on whether it's on, on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, if you look at the most followed uh, entities, well, they're individuals rather than companies. And so to have a, a person that can be followed, not because you're necessarily into um, uh, that particular product, in our case, it's betting, but can be into it for other reasons, allows you to go across um, and tap into a much wider audience. And and this, I, I thought, was a significant shift, obviously, away from traditional media. But what's been also interesting is the shift towards, in the tipping business, that wasn't everyone, there's 2.5 million people in Australia that understand what it is. Sorry, probably everyone understands, but 2.5 million people that, would regularly have a, a bet where, and all of Australia understand what it is to have a bet, but there's a much smaller market that understand or, or think that they need to have tips. And so to under, to sort of share your story um, of why you would need tips and what the brand is about would traditionally be TV, but the problem is, is the eyeballs aren't there. And, and what I've seen in the last two years is that shift towards um, Instagram and Facebook away from Google for a smaller brand that's trying to get a message across, uh, Facebook and Instagram has taken up such a, a larger share of of the spend activity because you can share your story. It's not just um, obviously with Google there's a lot of traffic going towards betting but not the same amount of traffic going towards I need my tips for Sandown race five and um, uh, that has been a, a significant shift and I think you are seeing that with the likes of, Uh, Obviously, with TikTok, there's that mixture between uh, YouTube uh, and Instagram coming in that mix. It's becoming rather than two-dimensional where you post a a photo or a very sort of um, uh, thought out post about your marketing message to something more spontaneous and and far more engaging. And and I think that that type of marketing and and whether I can evolve to be a, a TikTok star or and be uh, someone that can uh, be funny and engaging and not sort of um, uh, sort of scripted. Um, I think that is probably the next evolution of how to to market the brand. And, and I look at big corporates in the space. The the only brand, and, and this again, why I, I love as a, um, a one of those scale businesses, is Flutter is is what Paddy Power and, and Sportsbet have been able to do in that market as a as a brand. Um, I think lends itself a lot more than a traditional marketing big branded company in that they are very funny and um and you could see some of their ads going viral um, and having a much wider adoption than your traditional uh, I've got a long horrid heritage in betting. bet with me, you love betting, I love betting that standard messaging is is very much shifting and uh and yeah hopefully um I can keep being polarizing and keep being um, of, of interest in getting the brand out there. And, and also the key thing is coming up with things, whether it's uh, what what the punters want and um, and that I hope is is winning tips and I hope it's an ability for punters to be able to get the best price. And, and that ultimately you can have the funniest skip marketing or the um, – or the uh, a long heritage brand name, but um, a, a brand is a promise kept, isn't it? And if if you can't um, keep coming up with products or things that uh, people will want, uh, well, obviously there's no point even even starting with the marketing.
0: Yeah, it's a entirely fascinating space. Just given, you know, my observations are that pre-instagram world and pre-influencer world you were truly an influencer across you know many different segments and it obviously showed with the the growth and the success you had over that period of time these days though we're you know a long a long way removed from the start of tomwaterhouse.com let's say in terms of the evolution of online online betting how critical was it and i'm not sure how how closely you followed barstool sports here in the u.s and their partnership with Penn National to essentially have a barstool sports book uh, in many states in the U.S. here pretty soon, and they're seemingly going to go down the path of of that influencer type model. Um, there's some very edgy content that they do. There's a, a large audience within the within the 18 to 35 segment that follows closely, and obviously the U.S. market is is you know poised for growth. Is it, is it regulation that's holding people back? Is it typical marketing approaches? Is it a combination of things? Because obviously, just hearing you speak about it, it's clear that, um, I think you said, the brand is a promise kept. Something might drop here soon where people realize that potentially it's a point of differentiation when it might be the best option in the first place as well.
1: Yeah, look, I think the, what um, Barstool and I think you, you're you seeing obviously uh, on the broader industry influences, you have to keep people engaged. The way people are engaged five years ago is completely different to now. And I, I look at my Instagram feed and I'm like yawning, and I look at TikTok and I'm like, I can't. I've got to get off this, otherwise my wife's going to divorce me. And, <laughs> and
0: that's,
1: and that's a very different. Um, things constantly evolve and change, and I think it's obviously. Um, That tie up there with Barstool is is big companies realizing they have to evolve and they have to evolve pretty quickly because um, people's attention span whether it's not necessarily shorter. If you have the right content, people will watch. Like Jake, you're a great example of this. For the right audience, you've got such a loyal following because you provide week in week out great content and. It's uh, having that sort of um, many influences and appealing across different areas. You've got to have a very targeted message to lots of different segments to keep getting that growth. And and, uh, I wish I had a a crystal ball to understand how it's going to go and where it's going to go. The thing that we just try to do is just be lean and be able to pivot and adapt as best we can. And and if we can keep doing that, hopefully we'll be a success. I just – yeah, I don't know what the answer is in, in terms of marketing and I, I feel it's all around um, individual influences and having maybe a broad set of individual influences is really important. Regulated space is important, but I think even in the unregulated space for those brands that aren't regulated, whether it's in Australia or the US, having them have – the ability to tap in influences that gives some awareness uh, of those companies and that they're out there is is ultra important. But the way that those influences interact is dramatically changing. I, I just can't see in two years' time that uh, Kim Kardashian just putting one photo of her with new nail polish on, or, or Kylie Jenner or whatever, putting that on is going to work the same way as it did two years ago. I'm sure it's going to be far more interactive. Live, spontaneous, um, interactive. I I think that's that's changing, and and that's a different uh, that's a different skill set, and probably a different set of influences. And we're working on our uh, marketing campaign at the moment um, uh, for the Tom Waterhouse Odds Comparison uh, app, and and whether I can evolve with the way. uh, of the new TikTok world, well, I'll be trying and and trying to keep the brand out there. But I I just, it's, it evolves so quickly. You've got to try and keep up.
0: Absolutely. And I think a lot of it will be traced back to those Mooney Valley offices and the the start of TomWaterhouse.com. But moving ahead, tell us a little bit about your vision or what you think might be possible when we're talking about a a B2B solution for global risk management. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of jurisdictions, a lot of markets, uh, let's say on certain horse racing events or whatever it might be, whether it's big events in Japan, big events in Hong Kong, Australia, the U.S. with the, you know, whether it's Breeders' Cup, Del Mar, Saratoga, uh, Triple Crown, whatever it might be. What world do you think we're trending towards in terms of being able to, to risk manage on the B2, B2B side rather than B2B, B2C side? And what are the, some of the things in the next sort of 12, 18 months, if this is gonna launch successfully and, and really roll out across different markets, what are some of the areas that you're thinking about, and people should be thinking about?
1: Well, this is um, I was and before we started the podcast, why is it's so interesting, Jake, in in your journey with Sports Radar and and also Bet Geniuses companies. We used those um, businesses back in TomWaterhouse.com days of getting our sports feeds, and and when I saw the what betmakers uh, was able to provide to William Hill in in racing feeds. Um, Got us very interested, and that's why we invested in in Betmakers, as a company. and And I think that they're such an exciting company because they're basically focused on that area that you just described. Is that they're trying to be similar to Sports Radar in sport, but the one stop shop for for racing globally. and And that is providing um, all the data and, and the pricing feeds to the bookmakers, providing the odds comparison, whether it's through Dynamic or the Tom Waterhouse app for the punters, and they're um, providing vision, and they're also providing the ability for bookmakers to come into the market. If you not haven't got the scale of uh, a Flutter or a DraftKings, that say to the smaller bookmakers, look, here's a solution, uh, a, a, a solution, a technology solution that allows you to offer all the products, all the markets, all the vision but also provide you a risk management system that protects you from downside loss. Because I know, um, speaking to some of the smaller bookies here in Australia, they're like, look, I know um, how to manage my book um, for Rose Hill and for Caulfield and, and Australian racing, but I don't want to be sitting up at two o'clock in the morning to manage UK dogs, or I don't want to be managing early uh, in the daytime, uh, the like the Monmouth Park. Uh, Next to jump, I, I just want to have a solution where my clients can bet all the time and get the vision, but I'm protected from that downside. And, and I think that what I saw in betmakers and, and Jake, you mentioned you, you know Jake, obviously the COO there, and and Todd, the CEO. Well, Todd's been a and his team have been visionaries of actually understanding what the racing industry and the punter I think are looking for and. Uh, really finding a, a solution for the bookmaker and the punter and to expand that product and also to bring a lot more competition in bookmakers into the market and so uh, i think that racing it's in a it, i was sort of a little bit um worried in my time at william hill on the future of um of racing in that i saw such a shift from racing to sport and, and especially to um, uh, basketball, NBA. And and I saw obviously the um, uh, the percentage difference, that the the odds that were offered was significantly lower percentage on, on basketball and other sports to racing. But the thing that's made me um, much more bullish on the racing industry is the fact that uh, the bookmakers l- love pushing that product because it's got extra margin in it for them. Um, but also the amount of content and the fact that Australian product is being beamed around the world, whether it's now in the US or UK or, or to Asia, and that Asian, US, UK product is being beamed into Australia and other parts of the world. Uh, racing product is, and BetMaker's a big part of this, is, is, is really becoming a, a global product. The bookmakers are, are pushing to new, um, to new punters that wouldn't normally want to have their first bet or their next bet on racing. And I think being basically providing uh, vision, lots of product and lots of choice when it comes to being able to bet is a a really good place for racing to grow, um, both in Australia and from a global perspective. So I've got a a renewed excitement um, for for where racing can take uh, take its product.
0: Is there thought around sort of the tried and true methods of bookmaking and a lot of the principles that have stood the test of time, and combining that with a, a modern touch? And you know, even if you just think of the, some of the examples we've been talking about, if you're a if you're a really strong brand and you don't care too much about homogenous pricing and, and being similar or the same as others, but you want to focus on acquisition, you can have that in a in a global uh, you know risk management world. And if you wanna, you know, have tight margins, take on all comers, you know, focus really heavily on, on the trading side of things and and also focus on brand, but but not as much as those other competitors, do you think we're gonna be in a world soon where all of those options are gonna be possible and a lot of those services, certainly on the back end, a lot of the tech and a lot of the, the things you need to do that will be possible and we're gonna see a lot of new businesses popping up?
1: I think so. And and I really I think it was BetMaker's vision, but I, I've really tried to execute on it in a good way with the Tom Waterhouse Households comparison app of basically trying to show the, the majority of punters or sorry, a large portion of the market, look, there's a lot of choice out here. There's a lot of bookmakers that have never spent $1 on marketing, but because they don't spend money on marketing, because they're smaller and below the point of consumption thresholds and the other tax thresholds, they can be more aggressive. And don't give up your sports bet or your tab account, but keep them in the mix. And this is an environment that I I think hopefully over the next few years that price does play more of a part. There is more competition in the market, and that's a, a market that hopefully it doesn't mean that the big guys suffer. It means that there's just the smaller guys have the ability to compete in an area of the market that, I think has been underserviced, but it's. I hope it's an environment that allows the flourishing of, of more bookmakers and and expands the market uh, in a sense and caters for a lot. I saw from my time being an on-course bookie that the recreation to, to now is the recreational market has increased significantly through the effective advertising of these large uh, large corporates, and they've done such a great job of of getting uh, large database getting a, uh, expanding that market but the price sensitive end of the market um, has uh, is has shifted away from racing and um, a lot of the people that were betting big and having sizable bets just so go oh look I can't be bothered to bet on racing because it's too hard to go even though I've got the minimum bet rule but to place the bets through all 20 corporates and to do this it's just Painful, and that's what hopefully um, we reinvigorate, or can be a part of reinvigorating that that more um, price sensitive part of the market, which allows increase in turnover, increase in competition in that segment, and and hopefully expansion um, of racing. Um, That's our hope, anyway.
0: So I have fears for the, the on course component and retail in general, and I think it's been amplified in recent times as we've all experienced through the coronavirus. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on that space moving forward. And I know you've obviously got the fund and whether or not you, you speak with your wallet on some of these things, it'll be it'll be obvious in certain, you know, periods of time to come. But tell me, is that an area for, for investment? Is that an area for people to pull back on, whether it is, you know, the TAB type experience or the on course experience and and really hyper-focus on digital, hyper-focus on the online world. And as we've experienced gaming for you know a while now, uh, it seems to be the trajectory, but I wonder if there is still a place for any of the retail or, or
1: on-course components to go with it. Look, I, I think it's... Um, coronavirus seems to um, have really accelerated that shift to digital, not just across gambling, but across many in- industries. And... and I think that there's there's plenty of punters that were rusted on tab punters. They're like, I just like going to the tab. And when those tabs close, when that, those retail outlets close, they're like, well, I can't not have a bet on a Saturday. That's what I do. Um, and so they were forced to open their their online account. And once you go through that pain process of going to the online site, putting all your details in, verifying, transferring the funds, it's actually a very easy user experience Uh, you can be anywhere you can see the vision on your app you it's it's hard to then shift shift back and i think that that has just accelerated a trend that was happening already and um and our our focus on investment is mainly because i don't have expertise in the same way in in knowing retail and land-based operations is purely on online and um I think you you've seen the acceleration of uh, of that of that shift, and I, I think in terms of from a, a market potential um, of and what investors are looking for, well they're looking for um, the thing that's captured the imagination of uh, I think the market here is is obviously um, what this U.S. market can be, and, and as you said earlier, Jake, before before the podcast, it, it really is unknown the size and the potential in the U.S. market. You only have to look at at PointsBet, what they've been able to do um, from a share price perspective. The market, they've been a market darling because they're in there, they're doing it, and um, they're part of that U.S. growth story and and there's potential for unlimited upside in in that market where a traditional land-based operator based in one jurisdiction, whether it's in the U.K. or here, that story so, sort of looks clear how it, it plays out in, in a sense. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't uh, have a dramatic shift, some of those land-based operators and, and do something, but it's that's a major pivot for a big land-based organisation to do that and where these online, more nimble, online-only that have got exposure to, to growing markets, they've got a uh, – an exciting journey whether they can all execute or whether the market plays out as you hoped that's that's unknown but the upside potential is there
0: indeed so i want to go back to the app for a moment and i I recall like many i'm sure their experience certainly with horse racing but it can be the same with sports you've got you know race net open you've got the best bets in your hand you're looking at dynamic odds you may be on a few corporate sites Um, you're looking at replays on tvn or racing.com or whatever it might be is this going to be a destination for punters to go and and see the different prices uh, have a look at some information that's on there get some tips if they're looking for that experience as well and it'll be a place where we can combine a lot of those different services that we're we're used to getting in multiple places
1: yeah well look i've just been such a huge fan of dynamic odds for such a long period of time and what carl and Bet makers the rest of the rest of the team there have been able to to do is well, they really just became a huge help and aid to the punter and what we have tried to do and and, and through the the partnership with them is really try to create an app experience that makes it really easy for the mainstream punter, not your like a, a, a punter like my dad or or any of the professional punters they they're they're rusted on dynamic. Um, they've got their laptops open, they've got all their systems in place. We're not searching for that. We're just basically your pundit that wants to have a couple of bets on a Saturday, open up in an app and have that dynamic odds experience and that odds comparison experience in a very seamless two-click process. And, and we're just really trying to take that technology and make it more u- user-friendly for the mainstream market. And, and I think if... I think that that is going to be very compelling once a punter tries it. Um, I, I, we're hoping to have all the information, the alerts, the form, the, the bonuses, the boosts, everything inside the app, and I think it's going to be fantastic for the punter. But I also think it's going to be really good for for the bookmaker, and that hopefully we can drive a lot of traffic at a much lower cost per acquisition for the bookmaker and where if it doesn't work for the punter well we won't get any traffic and if it doesn't work for the bookie they won't want to be on the app and and that's the balancing act of trying to make it work for for both and i and i and i think it will and from we're only a couple of weeks in and it and it, it seems to be doing that whether it's you can obviously have high hopes for things when they first start, and be disappointed down the track. But I'm very hopeful that it will be a, uh, a great solution um, for the punter and, and the bookie.
0: So we could we could go for hours. I want to ask you just one final question, maybe a bit of a, a selfish one, but I'll ask it nonetheless. You know, certainly in my observations in the Australian market, is plenty of international raiders coming in uh, on the track, and, and obviously in the bookmaking market. Tell me a little bit about the the Aussie gaming environment these days. It seems like it's pretty healthy. With some of the companies you've mentioned, some of obviously your experiences, but but betmakers, points bet, and, and the likes, who are you know really competing and doing a great job. Is it something that's sort of a, a renaissance, or is it something that's always been there and now it's starting to appear a bit more? Or tell us about your thoughts on on how the space is at the moment from an Aussie perspective.
1: I think the Australian experience was. So we were very early, obviously, because betting is, is such a big part of the Australian culture and that it was legal here. We, we've had 20 plus years of experience. You've obviously got the, the trailblazers like um, the trips and Mark Reeds and uh, my dad and Michael Sullivan, and all those people that were part of that very early online um, experience. And that's been going since late 90s. And so... Going through um, the setup, the change in marketing conditions to the regulatory change, it's really a blueprint on a, I think, a smaller scale of what obviously America will be, but a blueprint of how this, how the market plays out. And um, and I think that you've got some very switched-on um, operators that have been part of that process, like obviously PointsBet. Sam Swanell on the team, they're they're top notch, like really switched on, very very capable, have a deep understanding. Obviously, he he was COO at TomWaterhouse.com and and major driver in, in that business. He he's got a blueprint of that, but he was before that with Tote Tasmania and Macquarie Bank, a serious a serious operator. Uh, and the other guys in that business, they're switched on people that have seen got great experience and. And obviously, betmakers have got the uh, the long history now, being around um, with global to top better. Now with dynamic odds, they've got the battle scars of actually really understanding how to navigate in that minefield and regulatory environment the regulated market is. Um, and they're applying those skills in in the U.S. market, which has so much potential. And so I think from a I think from a, a corporate point of view, there is um, huge hope for Aussies to make a big uh, dent in that U.S. market. And and, um, and then I, I also think from a local market here is that you're seeing um, that the, there's a lot of smaller operators. COVID sort of forced people to get out of the comfort zones. My dad's a really good example with, with robwaterhouse.com. He was just happy going to the races, doing the form. Obviously, he, he's – his major business is is punting and betting, but he loved going to the races and being a traditional bookmaker. And when COVID happened and he couldn't go to the race anymore, he's like, "Well, look, I've got to go back to being an online bookmaker again." And and like him, there's been others that have been forced to go down that path. And and having that um, increase of new entrants in the bookmaking ranks has got to be only great for the punter. And um, so I think it's a uh, it's a really um, interesting dynamic great space and and from being a little bit sort of down on, on hopes of r- the racing industry, I think that uh, I'm very very uh, excited about um, about what the next few years both from an Australian perspective but also from Australians in in the. US um, market I think it's it's very very exciting
0: yeah absolutely and it's always great to catch up tom it's great chatting certainly some unique insights from your world so thanks again for coming on the podcast thanks so much jake yeah
1: really really appreciate it